Harold Sakata, the 284-pound wrestling sensation from Hawaii, is heading for a new career. If he passes his screen test, he'll play a murderous muscle man in the new James Bond movie thriller, Goldfinger. Hello and welcome to Camel Clutch Cinema, the podcast where we talk about movies that star wrestlers or have wrestling in them. I'm Guy Hutchinson. And I'm Craig Cohen. On this episode, we are talking about Goldfinger, the third movie in the James Bond series. And before we get started, just before warned that this discussion is going to have spoilers. All right. And we're talking about Goldfinger. We'll get into the wrestling connection in this later. But let's talk about James Bond as a whole. I'm a James Bond fan. I know you're a, a huge James Bond fan. Yeah, I would almost call myself a, a James Bond fanatic. All right. Now, what? how does this rank for you? A lot of people say this is the best film. And not only that, a lot of people think this is the first one. Yeah, yeah. It's funny. A lot of people... Well, well, most of the time they'll forget, uh, not Dr. No, but they'll forget number two, which was from Russia with Love. Um, I would rank Goldfinger in my, in my top five. I think it's, it's, it's damn near a perfect James Bond movie. It really, it puts everything together. We kind of talked, I think we may have mentioned this, and if we didn't uh, retroactively pretend we did, I think Rocky Three is the Goldfinger of that series. This film, they got everything together. You know, the first mm -hmm. James Bond, they don't do the title sequence the way that they do it in all the other ones. They don't not they don't have all the eyes dotted, and they haven't figured out exactly how everything plays. And by the time you get to this one, this film really does it up. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. And you and you start, you know, you get the gadgets. Um, yeah, you really just got the the the, the template is is pretty much set here. We, you and I, uh, a few months ago, we did something really awesome. We sat back and we watched all of the James Bond opening sequences. Right. Yes. You know what? I, I had completely forgotten about that till now. That was awesome. Yeah, it was it was a really neat idea. So, you know, every James Bond starts out, they have an opening. Why don't you describe how this works for anybody that has seen James Bond films but haven't really thought about it? Yeah. Normally, they'll st start a James Bond movie with a an opening sequence that is either the end of another mission that Bond was on or, you know, a, just a, a, an action set piece that doesn't really tie into the movie. Some of the movies they've done that, especially the more recent ones, I guess, just just to conserve screen time. But it's really just a way to get, drop you right into an action sequence, have a, a clever way to introduce Bond and lead to the, the opening title sequence. So let's uh, let's get into the next thing, which is the day this is coming out, the day people are listening to this. If you're listening in the future, then think back, because the, the, right now, James Bond, new movie comes out today. Yes, Skyfall. And, and so November 9th, 2012, brand new James Bond film, the third one with Daniel Craig. Tell me a little bit about this one. From what I understand, and I've actually stayed pretty, pretty um, in the dark regarding spoilers for this movie, i like yeah. that that's that's what i try to do with a movie because then you go in and you don't you know you, if you haven't watched the trailer 30 times you don't remember yeah. the trailer gags but the the gist of what i what i've taken away is that a deep dirty dark secret from m's past comes comes out and 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 bond has to take care of business all right well let's talk about goldfinger go ahead and uh give me the plot summary right off the back of the dvd yes i got the dvd right here Special Agent 007, Sean Connery, has just come face-to-face -face with one of the most notorious villains of all time, and now will have to outwit and outgun the powerful tycoon to prevent him from cashing in on a devious scheme to raid Fort Knox and obliterate the world economy. Ooh, sounds, sounds exciting. Yeah. So 
this movie came out 1964, September 17th. Long, long time ago. This is about 11 years after President Kennedy was shot. And I, I understand that President Kennedy was a big James Bond fan. I don't know if you know that. Uh, but 11, 11 years? Uh, right, isn't Oh, no, one year. So this is one year. This is uh, one year after it came out. And the reason that's significant, apparently this was his favorite of the books. Yeah, I, I do remember um, hearing once that uh, once people found out that Kennedy was a fan of the James Bond books, uh, the sales went through the roof. Mm -hmm. You know what? I'm, I'm actually thinking it may have been From Russia With Love, which, which came out the year before this, but was still in theaters at this time that may have been his favorite. But he was a, he was a big fan of this series, yeah. and this came out about a year after he died. So that should give people a time frame for it. Made $51 million at the box office, which back then was astronomical. What would that be today? If you adjusted the gross, uh, it would put it at number 42 on the all-time box office list. Which is, which is very high. I mean, you yeah. know, if you look at the box office list, most of the films you know, in the top 50, even adjusted, are modern films. And the reason for that is that they put, you know, you have 20 screens showing the same movie in the same town. Mm -hmm. uh, but this was this was a huge hit. I, I remember hearing that that uh, at Grauman's Chinese Theater, and this may have been anecdotal, but the world's famous Grauman's Chinese Theater in Hollywood, they showed this around the clock for about a month because it was oh, so big. Yeah, and I think we'll see how how big this movie really was when we compare it to other movies in the top ten that year. Well, let's do that. My Fair Lady top film of that year, uh, its gross was was seventy two million dollars which is a huge amount but this right at number two 51 million bucks mm -hmm. and, and then, yeah and and we we talk about that 72 million dollar number um jaws if i remember correctly really started the you know the summer blockbuster movie and jaws was the first movie to gross over 100 million domestically right yeah, I, I yeah. believe that's right. And Jaws was also the first one. It may have been The Godfather, actually. But okay. it, but right yeah. around that time, Jaws was the first one, unlike The Godfather, that was appealing to, to teens. That was, you know, that was the first one of the summer blockbuster that we know, which is a movie where they're trying to get all the teenagers to go see it. Yeah, with a huge marketing machine, too. Yeah. Uh, Mary Poppins was number three, which everybody's seen. It's a wonderful uh, Disney film. And then number four for that year was from Russia with Love. Very interesting. Just to show you uh, the longevity of those films, uh, you know. Yeah. You I know, mean, think about that. So from Russia with Love comes out the year before, but is still cranking away the mm -hmm. following year, making enough money to rank, you know, right at number four in the top ten for the next year. And it also shows that audiences were seeing James Bond and then seeing James Bond a year later, which is really fast for sequels. Yeah, yeah, and I, and this also I think really helps illustrate for you know for people that weren't around like me and you and people who were even younger um, that James Bond cinematically was always a phenomenon. Right. Yeah. This is you know not, it wasn't one of those things that slowly slowly grew. It it boom. It was it was big. It was bigger than the Beatles, as we'll see uh, <laughs> it later in the top ten. Yes. All right. So let's run through some more. Carpetbaggers was a movie that uh, George Papard was in, who starred in the A-Team with Mr. T, who was at WrestleMania. So that's a slight wrestling connection there. Number six and seven for this year were two of the Pink Panther films, A Shot in the Dark and The Pink Panther, which I guess was the, was the secondary uh, uh, espionage-type series of this time. Yeah. And then number eight, Viva Las Vegas, starring the Honky Tonk Man. 
No, starring <laughs> Elvis. I had that wrong. Starring Elvis. I get them confused a lot. Cause... Sure. <laughs> uh, and then there was a movie called Hush, Hush, Sweet Charlotte, which I've never seen with Betty Davis, but uh, anything with Betty Davis is probably good. And then number 10, The Beatles with a Hard Day's Night. Yeah. Only made $6 million, which just just doesn't seem like enough for the hard although hard days night had probably been cranking around for three years at this point yeah that was the thing i was i was gonna you know try and remember when that came out like yeah no point. hard days night i mean this was probably you know uh, uh you know a film that had been had been really making money that uh, richard linkletter right richard linkletter directed that uh richard lester yeah richard lester now who's oh richard linkletter is the slacker guy yes yes okay no he certainly did not he wasn't born yet but the Beatles also mentioned in this film, James Bond doesn't like the Beatles. No, of course not. And, you know, it, that's Bond for you. Early in the film, there's a scene where he's like, it's just like listening to the Beatles without earplugs. Which I'm so used to people calling earbuds earplugs that yeah. I was like, yeah, he wants to rock out to some Beatles. And then I was like, oh, no, no, he wants plugs so he doesn't have to hear the Beatles. Yeah. Uh, tell me about the director of this. He's a he, he's noted for for this film, right? Yeah, Guy Hamilton. He he went on to direct a total of four Bond films. Uh, he was you know very important in shaping the cinematic version of James Bond. He also directed a couple of notable films, including uh, Remo Williams' The Adventure Begins in the 1980s. He was also the original. Well, you know what? Before you get past that, that's a film that was intended to be an American James Bond series. Oh yeah, yeah. You know, hence the the adventure begins, and we never got the continuation. Never did. Uh, sadly, because it's a pretty good movie. It's a lot of fun. So, what are the other ones that he did? Uh, well, he was the original director hired for Superman, and a tax exile status prevented him from being in the country um, to to film that movie. So and wait, he was also approached so, to direct Batman in 1989. So Richard Linkletter stepped in and directed yes. Superman, right? Yes. Overall, <laughs> so that, Guy Hamilton directed a total of 23 films. So, but was was Richard Lester the first Superman, or was he the he was the first one or the second one? He was the second. He one. was the guy that came in to clean up Donner's mess after um, <laughs> I guess they they fired Donner from from Superman two. All right, who 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 wrote this movie? Um. Um, another uh, important Bond figure, Richard Maybaum and Paul Den. Maybaum was involved in the scripting of 13 Bond films, starting with the very first entry in the series, Dr. No. Wow. Yeah. So he went on to have a, you know, a lot of uh, influence over the, uh, you know, the stories and, and the plots of the Bond movies, which really deviated from the books. A lot of the times they would just use the title and the plot would, would, would sometimes not even resemble it, or they yeah. would take a plot from another, another book in the James Bond series and put it into a, you know, a movie with a different name. Oh, absolutely. And they would even, you know, just steal little pieces from, mm -hmm. you know, one book. I mean, even at the end of this movie, you know, and again, uh, we'll get there, but there's a golden gun at the end of this. I mean, there was, <laughs> there was a lot of, you know, lifting things from one book and putting them into another movie. The reason why we're talking about this is a man named Harold Sakata who yes. was wrestling as Tosh Togo around this time and after and before. Mm -hmm. And he plays the role, uh, probably one of the most popular James Bond henchmen of all time, uh, Ajab. Yeah, I, I was thinking about this. The only other two that I would even put on the same plane are Harvey Villanchez as, uh, as what was his character's Nick name? Knickknack. Yes. And also Jaws. I would put Jaws up very high, but... yeah. Jaws, who, who ended up having a face turn and, and died a hero. Yes. 
<laughs> but you got to go you got to go with odd job i think i mean just fantastic he he is such a presence in this film and i don't think he has a single line no no he, his character is a mute yeah so he was born in in hawaii in the 1920s uh was was a wrestler and a very accomplished wrestler we have a list of his his credits which had you know the mid atlantic championship wrestling champion he was the NWA Texas heavyweight champion. He had a lot of different belts. I got to watch a couple of his matches on YouTube. I got to watch a match oh, nice. with Stan Hansen. Got to watch a a battle royal he was in, and 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 a couple other matches. You know, a really good uh, athlete in the ring, really athletic man, and he had a background in the Olympics. Yeah, and and actually, in 1948, he competed for the uh, the uh, USA in the Olympics and he won the silver medal in the men's light heavyweight division for weightlifting. Yeah. So that's, it's interesting. And, you know, it's uh it's not a surprise to go, you know, they, they don't have pro weightlifting. You couldn't, you know, yeah. there's not Hence a Mark Henry. <laughs> yeah, exactly. He's, he was the Mark Henry of his day to a degree. He, yes. he was uh, one of those wrestlers, the, the Japanese stereotype, of wrestling at that time. He would throw salt in his opponent's eyes. He'd do a lot of chops and kicks, you know, and, and really, really, you know, uh, just a spark plug of a man, just a real, real dense, you know, burly guy. Yeah. Yeah. Looking at his list of accomplishments, he looks like he did a lot of tag team work as well. And one name's jumping out at me here. Uh, the NWA Hawaii tag team championship he won with King Curtis Iakea. Ah. Is, is that Prince Iakea's papa? That is, yeah, that is a member of the of the family tree there of the the Samoans that are are well known throughout wrestling history all the way down to the Rock. Oh yeah, I, I completely forgot that. You know, if you're a Samoan, you're definitely uh, you're you're related. That's right. Yeah, it, in the wrestling it, world. It is also interesting to point out he's not he's Korean in the movie. He's not Korean. He was born in Hawaii. Uh, so he was he's an he was an, an American citizen, although at that time, Hawaii may not have been a state. And I I did not pay attention in history class, so I can't verify that. <laughs> and he was of Japanese descent. Yes. So uh, let's talk about the other people in this film. This is a Sean Connery, James Bond film. There have been quite a few men to play James Bond, but a lot of people find him to be the all time best. The You know, the guy to turn to. Sure, sure. And uh, the main Bond girl in this movie is Pussy Galore, uh, one of the most famous uh, I Bond think we girl names. we'll have to bleep that. How can you, yeah. Craig, can you say that? Did they uh, say that in this movie? I can't believe P that. It's PG. Um, and I she don't was know playing... how they, before we go any further, I don't know how they got away with that. Yeah, yeah. I maybe, guess it was maybe it may before be... that word really had the meaning. I guess. Or maybe it was just, you know, the way he would say it, he'd be like, well, pushy, pushy. <laughs> Well, they even pronounce that, it wrong. Uh, there was a riff on that in, in one of the Austin Power movies where um, he, I, I believe, God, I wish I had seen those movies uh, more recently. Well, before before you get into that, it is really important to point out how much the Austin Powers movies borrowed from the James Bond movies, and especially this one. If yeah. you're watching the Austin Power movies and you're looking at the at the at the stuff that they they borrowed, the gags that they used. They're from this movie. Oh, yeah. And there's one there's one real famous one we'll talk about. Mm -hmm. um, so Honor Blackman played Pussy Galore. Now, the, you uh, have met a bunch of Bond girls. Is she one of the ones you've met? Uh, unfortunately, no. Now, she's still living. Do you know? 
I, I believe she is. Yes. Yeah, I, I have. I've never. I've never met. I've never stood aside a Bond girl. How many have you stood by, and, and who have you been photographed with? Uh, I've met a, fo- a total of four, and I met um, in, in in pairs of two. So the first set of Bond girls that I met were both from the Man with the Golden Gun, Britt Ackland, who played Mary Goodnight, and Maude Adams, who played uh, Andrea Anders, but also came back to play Octopussy in the film Octopussy. Uh, two really, really nice ladies, and I actually had a bit of a, <laughs> a confusion with them where I wasn't 100% sure where to stand, and Britt Eklund got a little annoyed with me and finally just grabbed me and put me in place and then stood next to me. <laughs> Uh, good memory. And then more recently, I met um, Luciana Paluzzi from Thunderball, who played Fiona Volp, who was a, a bad guy, a bad Bond girl, and uh, Mariam Diabo uh, from The Living Daylights, who played Kara Milavoy. Now, I should mention, just because I want to throw it out, we've both also met two Bonds. It's amazing, isn't it? Right. We've I- met uh, not Sean Connery, but we've met Roger Moore. Yeah, and we've I mean, met the other, you know, the, the the two that basically replaced Sean Connery. We met Roger Moore and George Lazenby. Yeah. And now, do you say Lazenby or Lazenby? I, I think I say uh, Lazenby, and I think we asked him about that, didn't we? I think we might have. <laughs> yeah, he was a super guy. Um, he really he he took a lot of time with us. He was, uh, as he said, the best value at at, at the place where you're at in terms of you know pricing. Mm-hmm. Um, but also an interesting note, he was Bond in. Uh, on Her Majesty's Secret Service, when Goldfinger was released in the UK, uh, like many Bond movies, at the end they say when Bond will return. Mm. In the UK, they said James Bond will return in On Her Majesty's Secret Service. By the time this movie opened in the States, they had decided that they were going to go with Thunderball instead and change the title card. Oh, interesting. Yeah. Uh- he we we met him at a convention and at those conventions what they usually do is they charge you to get an autograph and they charge you to take a picture and a lot of times you'll walk up you'll hand them 20 or 40 bucks you get an autograph you get a picture and you're out you know you're away from your table within seconds he wouldn't charge to take the picture with him he said if you buy the autograph you can get a picture for free and he sat there and you know chatted with us as long as you know as long as he could you know with the other people waiting uh but he was really really a nice guy yeah, it's a great memory, a great memory, a really cool Bond to meet as well. But let's talk about the Bond in this movie, and let's talk about the film. How does this open up? Uh, we get one of those famous pre-credit sequence where Bond destroys a drug laboratory in Latin America. Um, there's some interesting uh, moments in this that have been spoofed in other movies or paid mm-hmm. homage to in other movies. Uh, at the beginning, uh, Bond uh, is, is, he, uh, comes up out of the water in a wetsuit, he pulls it off to reveal a white tuxedo. Right, which and, is pressed and looks fantastic. Oh, definitely. And in True Lies, uh, Arnold Schwarzenegger does something very similar. Right. Also I, in this I, I, I actually, that's one of the moments that I really like in this film because that, to me, sets the tone of these, of these yeah. films, mm-hmm. which is, I think, different from the ones they're making now, which is it's got a little tongue-in-cheek humor. There's a little winking at the audience that this isn't the most serious film you're ever going to see. Sure. Yeah, yeah. And, I mean, he's got a duck on his head at the beginning of the scene. <laughs> yes. And also in this scene, we get a great moment that I think really defines – Bond is a character. Um, he's with a woman in in in, in her bathroom, mm-hmm. and uh, they're kissing. And he pulls away from her, and he sees the reflection of a thug in in her eye. Uh, and he's coming up with a billy club, uh, or a sap. And 
instead of reacting by jumping out of the way, he spins around so the girl gets hit. Yes. Um, I, I think that really uh, speaks to Bond's character. Uh, and Bond roughs up women in a lot of the movies. Yeah, there's um, some there's some scenes that are uncomfortable. That in in 1964, comfortable. 2012, yeah. not comfortable. Yeah, and this moment was actually spoofed in Austin Powers to spy you shag me. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So then now we then, get to the we get to we get to the 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 first scene where they go to the hotel we see Felix Leiter and the hotel they go to is the Fountain Blue Hotel in Miami and when I went to WrestleMania last year in Miami I I made sure to go to this hotel it's it's famous for other movies as well uh notably Scarface yes. and I think it's called The Bellboy with Jerry Lewis um Right but wonderful beautiful hotel and it really sets the opening scene in this and it's well known as the best hotel in Miami it was at that time it still is yeah and and it's so good to see that it is still there looking exactly like it did in goldfinger mhm yeah so so uh tell me about felix leiter this is one of my favorite characters in the series yeah felix leiter he's been around for most of the 50 year history of bond over the course of the uh, the series, seven different actors portray have portrayed Felix Leiter, um, and the, the interesting thing is, in all the movies, he shifts in age and race. He'll be um, younger in certain movies. He'll be black in certain movies. Um, notable uh, Leiters include Jack Lord uh, from Hawaii Five-0, and more recently Jeffrey Wright. Uh, he's the current Felix Leiter, and with Skyfall, he'll set the record for the most times playing the character. Uh, Which is before how many? the new movie. Before the new movie, he was tied with David Hedison, who played the character two times. That's crazy. Hedison's two, portray- Hedison's two portrayals, though, are notable in that they occurred 16 years apart. That's even crazier. <laughs> yeah. So uh, with Skyfall, Jeffrey Wright-, Wright will play the character for the third time setting the record. Wow. Okay. And, Very and also, interesting. Uh, another interesting note about Felix Leiter is he did disappear from the series for a while. For some reason, he does not appear in any of the Pierce Brosnan films. Uh, instead, Joe Don Baker played the role of CIA agent Jack Wade. There is a very good good reason for this. Because <laughs> he was fed to the sharks? No, no, that's oh. not it. Joe Don Baker is related to, uh, I believe, the the Broccoli family. Ah, okay. That would explain <laughs> why he popped up in one movie as a bad guy. Yes. Uh, and came back to play uh, to play Jack Wade. He's got a relation to someone making this film. I, I don't remember making the series. Uh, I think it's the Broccoli family. And is that Broccoli or Broccoli? I've said it. I've always said it Broccoli. It's got to be Broccoli. It's much yeah. more fun that way. Yeah. So we get Jill Masterson. Uh, there's the, the scene with Gold Goldfinger, who uh, so resembles the gold member character from Austin Powers. <laughs> and we get introduced to her. And then not long after that, we get... We get her covered in gold paint. Yeah, and then this is also the the, the first appearance of of Odd Job. Mm-hmm. Um, Bond meets and quickly beds Jill Masterson. Uh, right. She pretty much helps Bond uh, defeat uh, Goldfinger, who is cheating at um, a game of cards. Uh, so after they they sleep together, he's going in the fridge to get um, I guess some some new champagne, and Odd Job comes back and uh, karate chops him in the back of the head. And then when he wakes up, of course, we have that iconic scene where uh, Jill Masterson is just dead and covered in gold paint. Connery says it actually hurt when he got hit. He said uh, Sakata didn't pull his punch very well. Well, you know what? It made for a great uh, scene. Paint is temporary. Film is forever. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Eugene Register card from April 18th or August 18th, 
1971. Uh, there was a nice article where they talked about uh, Harold Sakata, and I'm going to read a section from this. He says that once I even used the Derby to get into France, I had mislaid <laughs> my passport, but customs took one look at the hat and, and waved me on in. And when I was caught in Lebanon during the Six-Day War in the Middle East in 1967, it helped me get out among the first travelers. Now I carry it with me always on all my professional wrestling tours. Oh, so, that is great. So the hat that he would throw and chop people's heads off with helped him very much. But that's not what he uses here. He uses gold paint. Everybody's talked about this. It's, it's fiction. But when I saw this the first time, I really thought gold paint would kill you. Yes, yes. And actually, this is a scene that has been spoofed in another Bond movie. In the last Bond movie, Quantum of Solace, uh, there's a very similar scene where um, a girl who is um, one of Bond's girls is actually killed and covered in oil. Ooh, that sounds sexy. <laughs> yeah. right. So let's go over. We go over to London. We learn the mission, which is kind of confusing. It has to do with he wants to... He wants to ruin the gold more than actually steal the gold. Uh, but none of this really matters because if you're watching the film, you're just looking at explosions, actions, fights, yeah. things like mm -hmm. that. You get to see Odd Job crush a golf ball with his bare hands, Craig. Yeah. And this is a great – this is another great thing in, in Bond movies where you actually have in, – in, in this scene, Bond and Goldfinger play uh, golf together and they bet on it. Um but you actually see the villain and Bond interacting socially, um, not as not as enemies. Uh, right. You know, there's some there's some talk during it. You can tell they're enemies, but they're they're being social. And Bond is one of the only series to do this, where the the villains are really a, a lot of times they're they're humanized, and you get to see their human side, and you also get to see Bond interacting with them in a non-confrontational manner, which is very very cool. Yeah. Goldfinger is the goofiest villain. I mean, he's such a he's an unappealing human being. You know, he's yeah. a, a sweaty, portly kind of man. And and Bond cheats at golf to beat him. Yeah. Yeah. Which which is how we, we end up with the I, I think Bond cheats after Goldfinger's cheated. Well, Goldfinger. Yeah. Well, OK. Goldfinger was cheating at cards earlier. <laughs> Obviously, yeah. he's cheating at golf. But but Bond comes up with a with a plan. You know, he hides his golf ball and then wins the golf game because he wasn't playing the same ball at the beginning that he was playing at the end. And this is when Oddjob has this great moment where he crushes a golf ball into dust with his bare hands. Yes. But Bond tosses it to him and says, oh, I think I found your golf ball. <laughs> and, and Connery's reaction shot is priceless as well. Uh, we should probably talk about uh, the actor who played Goldfinger real quick. Uh, sure. Probe. Um, he was a German actor. And he's seen in this movie, but he's not heard. His voice was actually um, dubbed later on by an actor named Michael Collins due to the fact that uh, Gert wasn't fluent in English. Oh, interesting. So I guess yeah. it was one of those things where – Audiences couldn't understand it well, and they went ahead and dubbed it. That is that's yeah. interesting. And I mean, it, 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 you watch the movie, and you you really couldn't tell. I mean, I it didn't looks know like that. the voice that should be coming out of his mouth. Absolutely, yeah, I totally didn't know that. Well, there's there's the subplot with Tilly Masterson, who's the sister of the girl who was painted gold, and she comes back to try to kill Goldfinger. Yeah. We've got Goldfinger melting down gold and 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 smuggling it in his car. He, yeah. like, makes parts of his car out of gold. Yes. 
Um, we get this Operation Grand Slam, which Bond doesn't understand, but it comes into play later where he pretends to understand what it is. It's a, it's a convoluted plot. The best of James Bond plots of the villains are always convoluted. And there's a scene where Tilly and Bond get captured, and then Tilly gets killed by Oddjob. Yeah, yeah. And this is another trend in Bond movies uh, where we see that it really doesn't pay to to align yourself with Bond if you're a female. Yep. Uh, throughout this series, a lot of women have died because of Bond. And, yes. you know, in some of the movies, they even address it. And I think uh, M even references, references it in, um, in Goldeneye, the first Pierce Brosnan movie. Well, I think the rule is that you can't be the first one in the movie. You have to be the second one. You yes. have to meet Bond halfway through the movie, and then you're you're good. But if you meet him early in the movie, you got problems. And there's two girls that meet him early in the movie in this one, and both of them don't do well. And sisters to boot. I mean, God, think of the family. <laughs> so Bond is tied to a table. There's a laser slicing him in half. Very satirized because he he gets he gets Goldfinger, but he's like Operation Grand Slam, and, and he gets Goldfinger to to tell him stuff, which mm-hmm. originally Goldfinger you know, didn't want Bond to talk. That's the famous line from this. Yeah, I don't expect you to talk. I expect you to die. You know, what's funny about that is I've always remembered that line the way people repeat it, which is, he says, do you expect me to talk? And he's like, no, Mr. Bond, I expect you to die. And then I listen to it and he's like, no, Mr. Bond, (laughs) I expect you to die. Yeah. Um, So he spares Bond and and then he puts him on his jet and they they go to his stud farm which is near Fort Knox, Kentucky. Yeah, and this is also where we meet uh Pussy Galore. Right. And and I'm going to jump ahead quickly because I think this is important. They still were in Miami to shoot this. And the reason that I believe this is because when they're at the KFC, you see uh you see Felix Leiter at the KFC. Mm-hmm. The KFC is in Miami. Oh, that's great. I found this KFC online, and it it's still a KFC. It's in the ShopRite Center on 701 Northwest 119th Street in Miami, Florida, and it's still open. Sadly, they don't have the giant picture of Colonel Sanders out front, but uh, uh, it's still there. That's pretty amazing, though, 50 years later, uh, almost 50 years later, that it's still the loca- it's still the, you know, the business that it was in the movie. So we get the one million dollars. You know, he, he gasses those mafioso. There's, yeah. you know, a lot of action here. Uh, Bond, I guess, gets away, then gets recaptured, and he he tells Goldfinger why the plan's not going to work, and then he finds out that it it really doesn't matter. He doesn't want to steal the gold from Fort Knox. He wants to make the gold useless. For 58 years, because the government in England runs their economy on gold, and if they don't have the gold, there's a whole lot to this. But uh, basically, he's got an evil plan, and he's got an awesome henchman who was a former wrestler to to back it up. Yes. Talk to me about Pussy Galore's Flying Circus. (laughs) I love this part of the movie. Yeah, yeah. It was um, Pussy and a a bunch of of fun. You know, yeah, it's a but, lot of fun. It's an interesting twist on the film that you get this, you know, th- these these planes. Yeah. And it's and yeah. And they basically um, they're originally used to distract um, most of the military. And then a, a nerve gas was released uh, that we think or or that Goldfinger thinks is knocking them out. But it, it, it's, of course, a 
a harmless uh, substance that was switched out uh, by uh, Bond and, and Pussy after he seduces her. So th- they go into Fort Knox eventually, and they weren't allowed to shoot there. What did they do? Well, it, 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 it's, it's funny. Ken Adams, the production designer, was able to go out on location, and they wouldn't let him in. Um, so his design was based on producer Albert Broccoli's wishes to see, uh, quote-unquote, a cathedral of gold, and then his speculation as to what the real Fort Knox might look like inside. And he did a tremendous job, uh, regardless of whether it really looks like that or not. Right. This is what you would hope that Fort Knox would look like inside. Gold stacked up everywhere. Yeah, yeah. It's really wonderful. Uh, Goldfinger arrives in a helicopter, and he's got this atomic device, which, which uh, you know, he's going to use. And I now have another article. This one's from a month later, September 22nd, 1971, from the Rochester Sentinel. And I'm going to read one paragraph directly from it. Okay. Harold, and this is Harold Sakata. Harold said he was at first reluctant to accept the role of odd job. Being a winner in the ring, he didn't want to start taking falls for the good guys. But producers and the script assured him that it wouldn't be the case. And of course, he did go on to take the part explaining, quote, you see, I believe I do what lies in my hand, unquote. Mm-hmm. which is to say one thing often leads to another. And I thought sure. that was pretty cool. I thought yeah. it was cool that he was so kayfay that he was like, I don't want to look like I lost. Yeah. And this is where we have uh, some of the, a great odd job moment. Um, basically odd job and another one of the henchmen and bond get, get basically trapped in the, the vault with the atomic device. Uh, the one henchman starts freaking out. And Ajab basically grabs him, you know, and, and physically tells him, hey, listen, this is it. We're done. We're going down with the ship, but our plan is going to be executed. Yeah, that is, you know, that's a good guy to have on your payroll. Yeah, yeah. He, he He's a heel till the end. Yeah, he's like, I'm going down with the bomb. That's what I'm here for. Yeah, he's like, this is what we're paid for, buddy. <laughs> he's, I mean, this is a guy that you're like, hey, I want you to be a caddy. He's like, all right, cracks yeah. his knuckles and goes and does it. Yeah, yeah, it, 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 and that's another moment that really defines him as as a great Bond villain. You know, right to the end, he was doing the job. There's another parody of this character that I really enjoyed, which was in the movie, or not the movie, the the movie Clerks. They did an animated series, which a lot of people don't remember. Yes. But there's a character named Leonardo Leonardo who has a manservant who's based on Odd Job. Yes, but he talks. Yes, he talks, and he's got kind of a, a high, high-pitched, kind of whiny voice. It's not; it's certainly not the voice you expect to come out of that. It's yeah, it's a very "Hey, it's okay, we'll take care of it" kind of voice. Yeah, very underappreciated. The series? No, well, the series and also the character. Oh, the character. Yeah, Leonardo. Leonardo is is bent on world destruction and really doesn't care much for his his assistant, his manservant. So Bond gets out of the handcuffs. Odd job attacks James Bond. And this is great. We get a showdown between Sean Connery as James Bond and our professional wrestler, Tosh Togo, Harold Sakata as Odd Job. A wonderful, wonderful scene. Yeah, it's, 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 again, it's one of the most popular fight sequences in the history of the James Bond series. Let's go to the Evening Independent from June 7th, 1973. 
Um, this is a is an interesting article. They actually did a series of articles back in 1973 on his career, and they did one on him as a wrestler, and this was the one that I found the most interesting stuff in. I'm going to read right from the article. Mm-hmm. It says, it was half a dozen years ago in Brussels, Belgium, and Harold Sakata was beating the devil out of a local wrestling hero. The crowd was vocal. In a flash, one of the spectators was out of his seat. And then there's a quote from Harold Sakata that says, he was a madman. He jumped to the corner of the ring and popped out a switchblade. With one stroke, he ripped into the derby on top of the ring post, which was probably the hat that he wears in the movie. Wow. Right? It was Mm -hmm. probably sitting on the ring post. Mm -hmm. He says, with one stroke, he ripped into the derby on top of the ring post and then said something I couldn't understand. I could tell by the look in his eye that he wanted me next. Oh, my God. He didn't like Goldfinger. He didn't like my role as odd job. And he hated me for beating up on the local. (laughs) I was sweaty and I was scared. And I knew I couldn't run because that would mean I'd lose face. And only a fool would go after someone with a knife. Instead, I let out a loud yell and charged. The guy was so frightened, he jumped down from the apron and ran out the door. Excellent. (laughs) They uh, they later say in the article that at first, when when Harold Sakata, Tosh Togo, started, he was a good guy. Mm -hmm. And he said uh, he said he didn't make any money as as, as a good guy. So he became a villain. And he said, this is a quote, I was going to give it five years to make it. But at the end of five years, I didn't know a toehold from a hammerlock. And so he said he was booked in England three times, and it was his third appearance in England that led him to the role in Goldfinger. Yeah, so his professional wrestling career is a direct um, yep. result, or Goldfinger was a direct result of that, which is I awesome. Be- I believe it was Guy Hamilton who saw him and said, hey, this is the guy I want. Yeah. And so he says in the article, quote, after the movie, they thought I was crazy going back into wrestling by now, I was in demand. I could yeah. get eight times as much. I wasn't greedy, but I wish there were two of me so I could <laughs> wrestle in two places at once. Yeah, and this is really, you know, showcases the the difference or how different professional wrestling was, you know, almost 50 years ago where, you know, the business was very different and there was a lot of money to be made. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, he, he says, he continues to say, in one exhibition uh, that that he brought his his derby into the into the ring, just like we were talking about before, and uh, he said he gave his meanest look and he pretended to let it fly into the crowd. Uh, so he threw the hat that yeah. we've seen in the movie after the golf game can take the head off a statue. And he says, four ladies were in the front row. One fell backwards. Another one fainted. And then he said, quote, it was a cheap stunt. I should never have done it. <laughs> Um, he says that, uh, that he had the Derby with him at the time he was working on a movie and the title they listed was want a ride little girl. And I looked this movie up and I couldn't Mm -hmm. find anything. There was nothing in his IMDB for a movie called want a ride little girl, but I found it. It was a movie from 1974 called impulse. That was the eventual title starred William Shatner. Oh, cool. Yeah, I mean, this looks like an awesome movie just based on the fact that you've got Odd Job as a character named Karate Pete, and you've yes. got William Shatner playing Matt Stone, which I believe is one of the creators of South Park. <laughs> yes, I will say one thing about uh, William Shatner is, um, regardless of whether the movie's good or not, watching 
William Shatner in a non-Star Trek related role is really, really a treat. It really is. And it's the 1970s, so I'm sure he had awesome trousers, a yes. plaid jacket. I'm sure his style was beyond reproach. I'm going to I'm definitely going to keep an eye out for that. Yeah, this it may be something we should talk about at some time. I have a, a final sentence from this, and that'll lead us right into the next conversation. Oddjob, Harold Sakata, Tosh Togo says, quote, The greatest gift I can give my mother and my brothers and sisters is to show them that I'm leading a clean-cut life. I get out and I work with kids and problem children. I teach them athletics, athletics and life. It's the greatest thing. No, oh, that's nice. And this brings us to the guy who played the character that was based on Odd Job in the movie Austin Powers, a man who was playing a character named Random Task. Oh, no. The actor Joe Sun. Oh, man. I don't know if a lot of people know this. This was something you brought to my attention, and I hadn't heard about this. And I don't know how much of this I want to talk about because it really disappoints me. Yeah. Well, uh, tell people about the character Random Task. Random Task is pretty much a straight-up uh, spoof of Odd Job. He doesn't talk. He's a manservant of um, of Doctor Evil. But instead of throwing a bowler hat, uh, he shows uh, throws a shoe. Yes. And so they cast this gentleman, Joseph Sun, who was born on my birthday, nineteen. 19- 70. So I was mm-hmm. born 74, but he was born November 22nd, 1970. And uh, so you can send me a gift, by the way. It's coming up soon, everybody listening. Yeah. And he was a mixed martial artist who was not very good. He lost. No. Yeah, he, he was a loser. He was in a couple UFCs. Uh, and he was best known for the 1997 film, Austin Powers, International Man of Mystery. Uh, he also did a couple other films, but the crazy thing was... Oh, my God. Uh, and I, I, I don't want to cover everything on this. You can go to yeah. the wiki page and read it for yourself. But in 2008, he was arrested for vandalism. Yes. They checked his DNA, and they found out he had done far worse things. Yeah. In, 1990, in 1990. Yeah. Way back in 1990, he was involved in this gang rape where they kidnapped this poor woman. Yeah. And, he, you know... Statue of Limitations and stuff had expired, but they were able to, to nail him for other things. And he's he's doing a life sentence. Yeah, I mean, this guy. So when you watch that movie, the guy that, <laughs> already, that makes you chuckle, he had yeah. already done this. On the set, Mike Myers is standing next oh to this God. horrible man that's throwing a shoe at him. Yeah. This man had, had kept this woman hostage. Really, really sick story, and, and I'm yeah. glad they caught him. But it is interesting that that happened after... That yeah. that event had taken place prior to the movie, and they didn't arrest him until you know almost a decade later, or yeah, maybe he, over a decade later. Yeah, he almost got away with it. And since he's been in jail, he actually um, it sounds like he killed one of his cellmates. He did. He found somebody uh, that was in the you know in the prison that he didn't he didn't get along with and took care of him. Yeah, really, really horrible. Nothing like our wonderful Harold Sakata, who wanted to give his mother and brothers and sisters an opinion of him that he was living a clean-cut life as he took care of children, problem children, and teaching them about athleticism. Yeah, yeah. So let's only let's only think of him. Yes, and now we have the moment where our job, sadly. Uh, well, sadly, from a uh, a fan standpoint. Yeah, but- and sadly, from a standpoint that he couldn't come back in another movie. <laughs> Yes, uh, but we we do lose him. He's electrocuted. Uh, Bond um, 
basically uses the hat against him, and Ajab goes to grab his hat off an electrified um, piece it's of like, uh, yeah. It's steel. like it's like the uh, the bars that are mm-hmm. holding the money in, and he kind of does the the old grab onto it with two hands. Yeah, and this was there's a really really interesting story on the documentary that's included on the the the, the, the DVDs for these movies are great, and it's amazing that they. You know, as much double dipping as they've done, the initial issuings of these DVDs were were loaded with about as many bonus features as you'd want. Yeah, let's so uh, let's put a pin in the conversation and talk about that for a moment. These DVDs, there's they've now put out Blu-rays, which apparently are beautiful, pristine, yeah. and you can zoom in and look at things in the background that you never knew were there. But uh, these DVDs are very good. They look nice, and they really loaded them up. My favorite thing is the menu. Yes. When you put the disc in, you you need to uh, act like a secret agent yourself and activate the disc. (laughs) This was when DVDs were new, so they were exciting to people. And it wasn't a VHS tape, so they wanted to give you something. So it says, to activate Goldfinger, press enter on your remote now. And then it would just go dun-dun-dun-dun-dun-dun until you finally pressed it. And my goodness, I mean, I remember one time I put one in. And uh, I was going in the other room to get something, and we were going to watch a James Bond film, me and my wife. And I put it in, and a lot of times with DVDs, you'll put them in, they'll show some trailers, and then they'll show the movie. Yeah. Well, this was this was the early days of DVD, and, and, and I put it in. I left the room. I come back in 10 minutes. It's My wife's sitting there watching it, tell her to activate it. And she goes, <laughs> there's no activate button on this remote. And you know, uh, I was like, well, you know what? Uh, they shouldn't really do this, I guess, because not everybody's not everybody is a secret agent back in uh, in 2002 or whenever this came out on DVD. But the DVD edition, if you if you don't have a Blu-ray player, if you have a Blu-ray player, go out and get the Blu-ray. Absolutely. But yeah. if you if you don't or if you want to get a bargain, these DVDs are fantastic, loaded, loaded with stuff. Yeah, they since they've they've reissued these, they pretty much reuse all of the bonus material. And in some cases, they've dropped stuff that are off of these movies. But you get like two commentary tracks and you get, a, you know, at least a 30 minute documentary. Yeah, it, it's you know, some of them even have radio spots. It's it's really great for for fans of the movie. Yeah, it is. Um, it, it is good. I I watched uh, uh, the DVD and I was able to read like the street sign yeah. in you know in the town where the KFC was. I mean, it, it, they were a really beautiful transfer at the time. Mm-hmm. And the documentaries, everything's great on there. And so on there, on this feature, what do they say about this scene where Odd Job Harold Sakata is holding on to the to the fence with both hands? Yeah, well, director Guy Hamilton says that Sakata's hands were burned during this sequence. Uh, he says <laughs> that after for the, the electrocution, they've got fireworks going yes. on. So uh, uh, you know, Sakata was holding on; his hands are being burned. And he did the take. After the take, when asked why he didn't quit mid-take, Harold replied, Guy, you didn't say cut, so I just hung on in there. That is a pro wrestler for you. Right? That's a pro wrestler because he is used to where that's all you can do. If you're in the ring and something goes wrong, you got to keep going. Yep. There's no second take in wrestling. Yeah, and it may, I mean, the sequence is, is wonderful, and, you know, it's unfortunate that Scott have burned his hands, but much like when Sean Connery gets knocked unconscious at the beginning, it makes for a great cinematic moment. 
No, it's totally great. Uh, there is a there's a, a moment that happened in a wrestling match years ago in an independent ma- wrestling match where one of the wrestlers died of a heart attack in the ring and he was scheduled to win the match. So his opponent grabbed him and pulled him on top of him for the three count before the paramedics came in, because wow. that's how important it is to not, you know, break cafe. And that's what Harold Sakata is doing in this movie when he's holding on to those bars and getting fried. Yep. I, I'm disappointed when he goes every time. Every time oh, yeah. I watch this, I'm disappointed that he's not coming back. Yeah. Yeah. And, I, he, I almost yeah. I almost expect when when you get the extra scare at the end, you get the extra scene, I almost hope that it would be him. Yeah. But at least he did come back for uh, at least one of the video games, right? Absolutely. Yes, you do get to you get to deal with him in that. So and he's certainly a beloved character in the history of James Bond. And as an actor, he did quite a few films after this and TV shows. And a lot of them, it was him in this character. He was wearing the tuxedo. He was wearing the hat. And even for wrestling fans, Mr. Fuji, who was another contemporary of his, the whole hat and cane and tuxedo thing that's based on this movie. Right, right, yeah. So tell me about how the film wraps up. Tell me about the bomb and everything else. Well, of course, Bond eventually disarms the bomb, and he stops it at when there's zero, zero, seven seconds left. <laughs> so Bond saves the day. He's invited to the White House for a meeting with the president. And then, of course, Goldfinger uh, has hijacked the plane-carrying Bond. Uh, there's a huge struggle. The window gets shot out, and then we have it. Excellent, excellent James Bond moment. Tell me. Tell me about it. Goldfinger is basically sucked out of the uh, cabin window. Right. The air pressure just pulls him right out. Tremendous. And then Bond uh, rescues uh, Pussy Galore, and they parachute safely from the aircraft. Uh, A lot of Bond movies end with Bond and the girl, you know, escaping something and then ending up in the middle of nowhere. Um and then roll credits. That's how it goes. Now, you told me an interesting fact about this movie that related to another pro wrestler. Yeah, th- this is not the only Bond film to feature a pro wrestler. Sadly, there aren't more. You'd think that with uh, an action series like James Bond, a lot of wrestlers would have worked their way in somehow. Mm-hmm. But back in the 60s, in the film You Only Live Twice, um, High Chief Peter Mayavia um, was uh, in the movie. Uh, High Chief Peter Maivia, of course, is The Rock's grandfather. Um, in You Only Live Twice, he played a driver that transports a disguised Bond to uh, a headquarters. But he's also in a fight with Bond at one point. He's hit with a sofa. He wields a katana blade. And he's finally put down with a statue. He was the uncredited stunt uh, fight coordinator for the film. Wow, that is really interesting. Yeah, yeah. That makes sense that that's what you would get him to do, though. Sure, yeah. And... and you know, I guess back then those were the guys, you know, that had, you know, the skill set and the knowledge base to, to, you know, choreograph stuff. Let's talk about wrestling in 1964, uh, September 21st, 1964. I found a WWF card from Madison Square Garden, New York City. <laughs> I can't believe there was a, a card at Madison Square Garden. I, it's amazing. <laughs> the the uh, the main event was the WWF champion Bruno San Martino against Waldo Von Erich, which yeah. ended in a count out 34 minutes. That's a you lot got, of wrestling. 
Yeah, you got uh, some some serious time to tell your story in wrestling back in the in the sixties. Now, there's three guys on the card that a lot of wrestling fans may not know ever wrestled. The first yeah. one, Freddie Blassie, fought Bobo Brazil to a draw. A lot of people remember Freddie as a as a as a, uh, a second, you know, as a manager. Uh, also, Arnold Scotland, who was famous as Bob Backlund's manager, also a famous wrestler, he defeated uh, Lou Albano, yeah. five minutes, 46 seconds. I barely remember ever seeing a clip of Lou wrestling prior to being, uh, you know, the, the manager of, you know, guys like the Wild Samoans. I remember seeing stuff where he was the third man. Obviously, yeah. we talked on the movie Below the Belt, Below the belt show yeah. him in that. But I don't remember, I wasn't alive at this time, but I don't even remember seeing footage of him wrestling prior to becoming a manager. But it happened, and it happened yeah. on this night in Madison Square Garden. Yeah, it definitely wasn't something that they showcased in the 80s in the, in the WWF when he was a manager. Yeah, exactly. And the third one, Gorilla Monsoon. Gorilla so Monsoon fought Bill Watts, another draw, which is interesting, but Gorilla Monsoon was a guy that when I was growing up, I was growing up in the 80s, and I'm watching Gorilla Monsoon on my TV, and I remember hearing from my my uh, cousin that he was a pro wrestler, and I couldn't believe it. I couldn't believe this old man had once wrestled, and I yeah. couldn't believe that this old man was 400 pounds at one point in time and was a monster. Yeah. Really, really crazy stuff. Uh, let's talk about James Bond villains, James Bond henchmen, if you will. Mm-hmm. And wrestling. Who today do you think would be a good henchman for a James Bond villain? I could see the big show any day standing alongside, you know, some some, you know, gold finger type character staring down Daniel Craig. Sure, sure. And um, actually, great Kali, who's actually appeared in other movies, I think would make a, a great, a great henchman. And also, I and think he knows how to job. Yeah. <laughs> Yes. And and I believe Kali did Kali appear in Get Smart? Yes, and which again has, is a parody of a film like this. Yeah, and he also has a uh, Jaws like uh, face turn mm-hmm. uh, and and goes out a hero. I also think, and this might be a, a weird choice, but I think the Miz, who has some acting experience, would make a really really good henchman. That's not a bad choice. I was actually the the weird thing is I was thinking Chris Jericho, who's sure. kind of an older version of the Miz to in yeah. in some respects, uh, and that is an interesting choice. Yeah, that's who I was thinking. I'm surprised that Chris Jericho hasn't shown up, you know, during his acting run at some point, you know, being one of the bad yeah. guys. Yeah, and both of those guys have enough charisma to 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 be pretty pretty high up on the henchman roster. Exactly. <laughs> Exactly. We uh, we did record the last show. And, and, and for those of you listening, you may remember the last show. We were at a Moe's right outside of a movie theater talking about Batista in The Man with the Iron Fists. And we were saying we were both in darkness in our house, that Hurricane Sandy had turned out all our lights. Yeah, she, uh, she really did a number on us. <laughs> she really did. And so luckily today we are able to to send this out to you because we we both have gotten our power back. Uh but we had we had talked about how we had no power and we weren't sure if we were going to be able to do this and luckily we were but we did get a couple letters from people that were concerned for us. <laughs> and I appreciate all of them. Uh, I'm going to read a couple of them. One of them is from a guy named Piers Bronson. <laughs> 
I don't believe that's his real name, but he spells Piers like that uh, that guy on CNN. Oh, Piers Morgan. Okay. And he says, I'm willing to run an extension cord from Denver to New Jersey so you can review GoldenEye rather than Goldfinger. Love, Piers Bronson. Ah, what a so, nice, what a nice gesture. Unfortunately, we, we, we couldn't deliver. Yeah, we we couldn't do Goldeneye. We got to do Goldfinger. Yeah. And there's another one. Why don't you read this one? Um, we get uh, gents, classic film. Odd job may be the best henchman of the entire series. If you tap, I will tap you. And by that, I mean I will stick a beer tap into your head and pour your brains into a glass. And that's from Chuck in California. All right. Well, I think that brings the all-important question. Craig, did you tap to uh, I, I got to say this. As a, a lifelong Bond fan, I can't even tell you the first time I saw Goldfinger. So many of these Bond movies I saw probably before I was even forming memories. Mm-hmm. And I got to say that even the Bond films that I don't like, um, I still uh, will defend them. And I got to say that, uh, you know, from frame one, I am not tapping during right. Goldfinger. Yeah, I, I, I mean, I'm not going to give a long description of why. I'm not going to tap out to Goldfinger. For God's sakes, it's Goldfinger. Um, and I agree with you. I think that even the ones that I don't like, it's hard to say that I would tap out to them. Yeah. I, I found a, uh, a thread on the IMDb that I think we should talk about. <laughs> no, James Bond is not gay. <laughs> Luckily, that's not their concern this time. Usually that is. But today oh, wow. they wanted people to invent their own ridiculous Bond girl game, girl oh, name. No. So they started a game where they were inventing Bond girl names. <laughs> and I'm just going to read a, a handful of the ones I liked. Professor okay. Cherry Pie. Which is subtle yet sophisticated. Yes. They also uh, they also threw out Juana spanking, <laughs> uh, and also head of lettuce. It's a, it's another one that I really liked. I I this movie made me think a lot. The Goldfinger name. There's also Golden Eye, as we talked about, and the Man with the Golden Gun. I've always thought that if you take the word gold, you can throw it into any movie title, and it all of a sudden becomes a James Bond title. Sure. There is a uh, website you can go to randomjamesbond.com, which. If you if you go to it, I want you to punch it up right now, Craig. We're gonna see if we can pull up a couple titles. Uh, All right. I'm typing in I'm I'm typing it in right now, and I'm clicking. And the random title I got is the Spy with the Golden Spy. Nice. Um, I just typed in, and I got Thunderfinger. Okay. All right. Let me do let me do one more. Okay. You only never live twice again. I think I just went cross-eyed. <laughs> so that is James Bond. What a what a fantastic movie this is. I, I can't say enough about Goldfinger. I I really really enjoy this. Let's talk about James Bonds as a as a thing. Okay. Who is your favorite James Bond? Do you have one single favorite? I, I gotta say this. I think um, much like the movies, I could find good points for every Bond. Uh-huh. But I think the main ingredient that a Bond needs is he needs to have um, the ability to, to, to look charming and uh, and look good in a suit, but also have the ability to look like he could really kick your ass. Right. Um, Connery obviously had it. I thought Dalton had it. And I thought 
of all the bonds, I thought that Pierce Brosnan really brought um, that to the role. So are you going to say Pierce Brosnan's your, your favorite? Um, I don't know if I want to commit to that. But because I here's I, why I say that. I had that as the one that I was going to say is my favorite, and I thought I'd be having to explain myself. <laughs> yeah. I, I think um, more than every other Bond, um, even more so than Roger Moore, I think that uh, he had the look um, that really did um, the tuxedo. Oh, I um, think Pierce Brosnan is – easily the most handsome man that played James Bond. And there's some good looking guys playing James yeah. Bond. This guy looks like a mannequin, but he also plays the humor well and he plays the yeah. action very well. And I think he was lucky enough that they really, starting with with uh, with Goldeneye, Goldeneye, they took a lot of from this film. They took a lot of notes that they wanted to hit from this film. And I think they did it very, very well. Yeah, it was uh, basically, the, you know, almost rebooting the Bond franchise after a, a quite a few, I think a six-year layoff from the yeah. Timothy Dalton movies. Yeah, I would say he's my, my favorite of all the people that have played him. And I feel that Roger Moore did most of the films that I like the best, including my favorite, which is Live and Let Die. What, what do you count as your favorite? My favorite Roger Moore movies would be either uh, The Man with the Golden Gun mm -hmm. or or Octopussy, which I, I, I you know, both of those movies um, were movies that I really gravitated towards when I was young and I still really gravit uh, gravitate towards now. I'd also rank Goldfinger up there really high. But actually, my, my all-time favorite Bond movie is, is From Russia with Love, the second Sean Connery movie, mm. which just has some great, great sequences in it. But it's really hard to, you know, to go to go wrong uh, if you pick a Bond movie off the shelf. I, I think that's absolutely true. So everybody out there, if you have access to this one and you haven't checked it out in a while, watch it again. If not, pick any one of them. Go to TV. They probably are running them on TBS right now in celebration of this. And go out and watch Skyfall. You'll probably enjoy that, too. Craig yeah, and Cohen. one interesting thing here yeah. is I think a lot of people are really going to be surprised to see you know, how much involvement in professional wrestling um, Sakata had. I mean, before this episode, I knew he had dabbled in professional wrestling, but I had no idea that it was his his career. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I, I totally want to revisit him again. I, I really, after reading this, I said, you know what? We've got to look at his filmography, and down the road, we've got to watch at least one more of his films because this guy was a pro wrestling champion who became better known as an actor. And, and that's akin to the rock, I would say. Sure. Yeah. So Craig Cohen, thanks again for joining me on this one. Goldfinger. Thank you. And thank you for listening. And we will see you next time on Camel Clutch Cinema. So you want to wrestle, huh? You're too little. We got ushers bigger than you. Leave. I got to take a crack. Don't you see? Your skills plus my skills in the ring. Tag team. How it controls is John Triton. What are you doing up there? Staying away from you. No more rhymes now, I mean it. Anybody want to feel it? What's that smell? Down goes Jimmy King. Oh my God, a four-post massacre. No one can survive this. This isn't even a pay-per-view.